Welcome to Module 1 of Canadian Administrative Law. My name's Craig Forces, and I'm a professor of law at the University of Ottawa. In this first module, we ask, what is administrative law? If you look at the course syllabus, you see one description, drawn from the antiquated course description approved by the University Senate sometime before the Big Bang. But you also see another definition, one that I like to use to describe what I try to accomplish in this course. In this module, I want to build up to that other definition, working from two other efforts to define administrative law. The first is a long definition found in Barron's Canadian Law Dictionary. It defines administrative law as those rules of law that concern the exercise of the powers and privileges of the executive branch of government. More specifically, administrative law is concerned with the actions and decisions pursuant to the powers given to the executive by parliament or the provincial legislatures. Administrative law is particularly concerned with the rules that exist to control administrative tribunals, bodies, boards, or commissions, and administrative action in its broadest sense. Now, this is a long description. It certainly does not make administrative law sound very interesting, but it contains some key concepts we all need to understand as we embark on our study of administrative law. First, to whom does administrative law apply? Well, the definition suggests to the executive branch of the state. So we shall need to understand that concept of the executive. Second, what does it concern? It concerns the exercise of powers by this executive branch. Third, where do these powers come from? From Parliament and the legislatures as delegated to the executive through statutes. Now, this reference to statutes is not a full and complete accounting of the powers of the executive. As we shall see, there are a handful of powers that the executive possesses because of something called the royal or crown prerogative. Four, what does administrative law do? Well, it governs or controls these bodies, these parts of the executive in the exercise of their powers. Is there yet another definition that captures these four elements of the Baron definition? Well, yes, I really like the definition that David Jones and Anne de Villiers offer in their book, Principles of Administrative Law. It's much shorter. Administrative law deals with the legal limitations on the actions of government officials and on the remedies which are available to anyone affected by a transgression of these limits. This is a definition you'll find in the course syllabus. Let's break it down a little bit. Let's unpack it. First, the reference to legal limitations. Legal limitations imply constraints. They imply obligations and standards that must be met. As we shall see, legal limitations are about controlling behavior. Controlling whose behavior? Well, the second element, government officials. What's a government official in this context? As some of the other definitions I've given you suggest, a government official is a member of the executive branch of the state. 
That's a very broad class of people and includes everyone from bureaucrats to independent tribunals to ministers of the crown. And as I've already suggested, the powers exercised by the executive, with only limited exceptions, are the powers delegated to it by parliament or the legislature. The executive possesses the powers delegated to it by the legislature or parliament. So for the most part, in administrative law, a government official is simply a person exercising delegated power. And again, that means power given to that person by parliament or the legislature. And sometimes I'll call this person a delegate. But even if I don't use that expression in all instances, the administrative decision maker is exercising power that can be traced to one given to them in a statute, either directly or indirectly, or sometimes, very rarely, a power given to them by this crown or royal prerogative. Returning to the de Villiers and Jones definition, there's the last part of their statement. It talks about remedies, remedies available to anyone affected by transgression of these limits. And there are two parts of this phrase, the reference to remedies and the reference to transgression of the limits. So let's start with remedy. A remedy is a means by which a right is enforced or the violation of a right is prevented, redressed, or compensated. Remedies can come in different flavors in administrative law. But for the most part, we're talking about the cure that courts can apply or, put another way, the powers the courts have in the course of what's known as judicial review of the administrative decision maker. And what's the remedy for? Well, a remedy is available to someone affected by the transgression of the limits on the government official's powers. And here we're talking about standing. Who can bring a challenge to the government decision? And what sort of decision can be challenged? Well, the answer is the person who suffers the transgression on the limits of the government official's power is generally the person who has standing. And what determines whether these limits have been transgressed? What is the standard for the proper exercise of the power? Well, as we'll see in administrative law, the limits on power exercised by executive officials are established by statute, at common law, and to a certain extent by the Constitution. And so based on this discussion, let me offer you a final definition, also included with the syllabus. Administrative law deals with legal limitations on the actions of government officials. And specifically, it concerns itself with the proper exercise of mostly delegated power by these government officials. It's also about the scope and nature of judicial review of decisions made by government officials. And... It is about the remedies that are available to parties affected by decisions made by government officials that do not conform to standards set for the proper exercise of that power. Put simply, administrative law is the law of government accountability. Administrative law determines the way in which the state interacts with the people in a manner that is much more immediate than constitutional law. The thing about administrative law, it's all pervasive, if only because so much of our lives involve government officials. Administrative law is enormously important and has enormous breadth. It affects us when we apply for a license or when we cross a border. It affects us when we deal with the Canada Revenue Agency 
or when we scoop dog poop in a municipal park regulated by a municipal bylaw. It has an impact on the fate of refugees and on the fate of CEOs. So let's be a little bit blunter about administrative law. This isn't strictly some turgid academic subject. What is this course about? It's about people. People who have differing agendas to be advanced or defeated in the application of administrative law principles. And those people, for our purposes, are clients. In this course, we shall meet two imaginary people, clients, both of whom are struggling with the administrative state. And in our practical exercises, we shall investigate how the principles of administrative law help or hinder their efforts. With that, let me end Module 1 on Defining Administrative Law.